0: Hello, 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 so before I go into today's amazing episode, I am over the moon to announce that the next intake of the female fat loss program is now open. So signups are now open for July and this is something that you guys have created. You guys have DM'd me, you guys have been asking for this for I think about three years and it took me a while to get it right. It's taken me a while to figure out what I want out of it and the program has been running amazingly amazingly well since we started opening it up and what the actual program is a little bit different so if it's a if you're looking for a program to lose 10 kg in six weeks it's not going to be the program for you because no program could and should be able to offer you that unless it's completely restrictive so what this program is offering you is you where you get a program tailored to you nutrition based off what your goals are education on how to train around your cycle manage your cravings education around perimenopause menopause postnatal prenatal how to manage PMS, how to manage your thyroid, how to manage PCOS, how to to manage endometriosis and get away from the yo-yo dieting. So the last intake actually sold out in 24 hours, which was mad. I was keeping the numbers small and then there was so much activity coming in that I had to kind of uh, close it off uh, and I had to reopen it back up. So the next program will be starting on Monday, the 18th of July, 2022 and be running for six weeks from there. So what you will get from me, uh, is your training program with videos, education on training, you'll get free recipe books, I would highly recommend to try the Brownies, a Facebook group with supports, lives every Tuesday, check-ins every week, you'll have check-ins on the group, You can it's, an, it's a like-minded group, and the current group that are in there at the minute are thriving because they're, they're seeing what each other's doing and they're encouraging everyone, it's, that's what I want it to be. so. Who is this program for? It's someone who wants to learn. It's someone who wants to make their body work for them. People who are sick and tired of not seeing results and ready to take action. Someone who's looking to potentially lose body fat. Someone who's looking to gain muscle. Someone who's looking to feel more confident in their body. Looking for guidance around cravings of PCOS, endometriosis. People who are looking for guidance around mental health. So what I would encourage you guys to do, if you're looking for something that's a little bit lower price, if you're on a budget or whatever maybe, what I would highly encourage you to do is try this out for the six weeks. It's gonna be at the lowest price it is now, and we may review it after a while. So if you're looking to kind of work with myself and get rid of that BS that's out there, I'd highly recommend to do it. The people who are in it at the minute are absolutely thriving, and every single one of them is absolutely smashing it. So if you're interested in working with myself uh, through the Female Fat Loss Program, click on the link in the bio, sign up, Things will start up on the 18th of July on Monday and you'll have everything sent over to you the Friday beforehand. And the price of the program is €149 for six weeks. So it works out less than a cup of coffee every single day. So I think it's, it's quite cheap compared to what I've seen from other programs, but the amount of information, and that's the bit that I've seen so far from the feedback that's kind of come in. So if you're interested to work with me from the 18th of July, I would recommend to click on the link in the bio or in the write-up of the episode, click on that, book your space, and everything will be over to you the Friday before. Really excited to see you guys who are joining up, looking forward to it, and I will talk to you guys very soon. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So today's episode is an incredibly insightful and aware conversation, and probably one of the deepest conversations I've had on the podcast for a very long time. And the last couple in regards to the mindset side of things in relation with stuff with Aiden, relations to stuff with Mark, they have been incredible. And I'm very, very lucky and very grateful to be able to have those open and honest conversations because I think a lot of people are afraid to have those open and honest conversations. So I'm really excited for this episode. So today's episode is with the amazing Hannah Eden. So Hannah is a fitness entrepreneur whose workouts and unstoppable drive to make people and the world a better place is, is a fight, and she and she's taking that one fight at a time. He, uh, Hannah kind of began her fitness journey as a crossfit athlete in twenty thirteen, and then has reinvented herself as a, as a celebrity trainer, entrepreneur, and philanthropist. And we talk about how Hannah had to adjust from going towards the crossfit games to having a very big injury we talk about kind of like her battle with this body dysmorphia we talk about patience we talk about kind of the recovery from that injury we talk about big on the morning routine we talk about the limitations and are are we are only are we the only limitation that we have we also talk about dealing with comments on one time in particular that she spoke about and this is quite scary how the comment that actually came through and when we, what when we actually talk about and we also kind of talk about finding your reason and FYR is the slogan for what Hannah represents so if you're interested in working with Hannah I would highly recommend going to hannahedenfitness.com head over to our Instagram page as well and Hannah is is incredible her open honest talking about kind of going from addiction to where she is now and it's incredible to see and incredible to watch so I'm very very excited to for you guys to listen to this so I hope you guys enjoyed the episode with Hannah Eden Hannah, how are we?
1: I am doing really good, thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. I know I, I we were talking just there, and I, I know I heard f- about you from Anthony Walsh, who was on the podcast previously, and I love that episode. So I was like, right, there's positive vibes here, so let's, uh, let's get them onto the podcast. So for anyone who isn't aware of your background and what you do on a daily basis, can you let us know uh, your story That's- and your background?
1: Yeah, so I would consider myself somewhat of a... Uh, fitness entrepreneur or fitness professional, which all kind of happened by accident. I was born and raised in England, moved from England to the States when I was 16, which was a really hard transition. I was kind of a very rebellious kid in England. And so I brought that streak with me, but finally found a way to channel it into something good. So I went through this, the stages of partying a lot, going out and having a really unhealthy relationship with my, myself with food um, and with just a really unhealthy lifestyle. But I stumbled across CrossFit uh, back in 2012 through a friend and I became really good at it really quickly. And it was one of those things where it was like, wow, all right, I can actually feel something that um, I think I was trying to search for somewhere else in my life, but through doing something good that's actually beneficial for myself and for everyone that's around, it's not causing any, any trouble. Um, so I fell in love with fitness, got really good, got really quick. So I got myself certified as a coach and that was kind of going to be my, my, uh, journey. I was going to become like a, in my mind, I was going to become a CrossFit athlete. I was going to become a CrossFit coach and that was it. I was going to win the games and, you know, had this crazy reality. Um, but along the way I suffered a, a back injury and, um, it was a really shitty time because I, I kind of had the rug swept from beneath me, but then realized that. Injuries only happen if something's going wrong within the training. And so I've looked through and I I researched and got better at becoming obsessed with learning about fitness. And at the same time, had a a great opportunity come up with Reebok. Uh, They had this public contest to enter Reebok to become the face of Reebok One. Uh, That was around 2012 as well. And I entered and I didn't think that much would happen, but I ended up making it to the final four. Um, And they say, you know, Tim Ferriss always asks, what's your favorite failure? That was my favorite failure because I didn't win, but I had massive opportunities that were laid out in front of me to be able to go to Reebok headquarters and meet some of the most influential people in the fitness industry. And I made good relationships with them and tried to stay true to who I was and the way I was raised was just to just be, good, be, be a good person and be a, a hard worker and, and make meaningful relationships So although I didn't win, I got to meet the director of Men's Health Magazine, which is at the time uh, BJ Godore. I got to meet Chris and Heidi Powell that were massive TV icons for extreme weight loss. I got to meet some really cool people. And so when I went home, I I had my tail between my legs and thought, you know, that was so close, but I had such a good taste of what this world could be like. It was just so incredible of being able to utilize fitness as a way to pave a trail to walk towards a career. And around the same time, or not around, at the actual same time, my husband and I decided to open up our own gym. So we were fully immersed into the fitness scene and wanted to pursue this as like a a career path and dabbled in our first business together. I was 23 at this point. This was back in 2015. I had no idea about business. I had really no idea about myself. And we just started sprinting and worked really fucking hard. Excuse my French. I'm sorry if you're not. If you hey, don't curse, curse work away. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We worked really fucking hard for a long time and we learned so much. We failed so much, which was the best learning experience that we've ever had. And um, with that entrepreneurial spirit, I, I we opened back in 2015 and around 2017, the gym was doing well because it was on the opening a new business streak, upward trajectory. And I, around that time, started to build my Instagram and I was one of the at the very beginning when Instagram was kind of like a funny thing, you know, and it wasn't really what it is today at all. And I think I made my account back in 2012 or 2013 or something, but it was a constant project just like the businesses. And it was to try and build a brand. And I was actually graduated from university with a degree in photography. So got to have my hands in the graphic world, graphic design world, and understood that if you want to have a, bi- a successful business, you need to create a brand. So I was able to apply those skills and we did and built the social scene and built kind of like a, a brand for around me at the first time I had bright red hair and it was called the Haneden Eden fitness brand. And FYR was our slogan, which is still our slogan now, which is all over the walls of the gym, which is to find your reason because it just realized that fitness meant so much to me on a deep, deep level that I kind of wanted to know if that meant the same thing for other people. So we often asked that question and got some really powerful responses to that. So we've run with that ever since, but from then until now, um, 2017 came around i wanted to try this online world because the gym was doing well and i my instagram was doing well so to me that was enough evidence to think that our training is successful and people are interested because people wanted to watch it so it told me i had something so we tried to figure out a way to get the training that we were doing in fort lauderdale florida to the rest of the platform that we built online which was global you know and so easy to reach them all so Started with my first version of an online training subscription, which was so ghetto and, and like so bad if I think about it, like going back to the beginning, like it was so badly done. So so many uh, pl- uh, plasters or band-aids, whatever you want to call them, to try and patch up a lot of broken links, et cetera, et cetera. But it worked. And it was kind of one of those things of let me try this out and see what happens. And I was like, oh, shit, this has actually become like a real business now. So over the time... Over the years, we've kind of evolved and leveled up on, on how we deliver those workouts. And whenever COVID hit, which was back obviously 2020, um, I had for some reason tried to keep evolving my, my programs in the way that the platform that I delivered the workouts on, because the audience was growing. So 2019, it's like I knew somewhere deep down, I launched an app, um, which was called the Hef Training App. So I took everyone from a desktop version of training to a, an application that was on a mobile device. And I thought, here we go. I'm going to hit and I'm going to fucking hit it so hard. I'm going to knock this one out of the park. And I hit and it it flopped. It was like, oh, wow. Okay. This is not what people want. I thought it was full follow along workouts from the beginning to the end. And um, just to give a bit of a pin there, uh, we started doing that with really credible companies. So I was one of the first, well, I think we were the first program on bodybuilding.com to be follow along. So when I say follow along, I mean one hour video or 30 minute video from the start to the finish, which is one take. There's no cuts. There's no edits. It's just, here we go. We're going to warm you up. We're going to explain what the workout is and we're going to do it with you from the beginning to the end. And it was such a hit. And so because it was a hit, anyone that found me through these massive platforms, which are these or men's health or women's health, I have my own DVD and all these follow along with Nordic Track people came to my training platform and at that point it was all written and typed up and they wanted the videos. So I was like, okay, I have to launch an app. So I made those moves to do that. And I did it in 2019 October and it didn't work because I didn't have the capacity to give them something new every day. So whenever COVID hit, it was like, Oh my God, we have this library full of hundreds of workouts that I thought no one wanted, but now they all want it. So it was a very, Interesting time for us because we decided to close the gym, but we also for a number of reasons um, we tried to look at it like a micro loss rather than a failure because it had taught us so much. But with the gym and having a brick and mortar facility and being so invested in our community, and then and opening up that business at 23 and then evolving as a human, evolving as a brand and as a business online. I was constantly going everywhere and meeting new people and taking these opportunities, which took me away from the gym. So it was always this feeling of like guilt of like leaving my community behind and my husband manned down the fort over there while I was out trying to find myself and like make it in the world of fitness, like globally. And um, so we made the really hard decision to close the gym and focus all of our efforts online because online was thriving. It was doing really well, but there's only so much energy we have as individuals and I figured stop trying to spread yourself so thin and just apply yourself in this one space. So we've done that. And along with that, we've opened up a few other businesses too um, that kind of add synergy towards all of them as a whole. Um, So we have Hannah Eden Fitness at the top and then FYR Apparel, which is our apparel company, um, Hef Online, which is our training programs, and then Hef Partnerships, which are with affiliates and other companies that we work alongside with. And then there was pump it in there as well, but we closed the gym. So that's kind of a nutshell and really, really quick synopsis of, of my story. But um I guess that the big biggest takeaway is that I'm just a regular person that refuses to quit and has the obsessive behavior and a lot of energy that used to be looked at, like it was a bad thing. I've just applied it into somewhere else and made something out of nothing. And so it's just possible for everyone.
0: I was gonna ask you about kind of like the addictive personality that. I I didn't know how to word it without kind of like some people could take that as offensive, if you know what I mean. But I think it would sum up what you've spoken about going from the kind of like your teenage years and then going into the kind of the CrossFit vibe, then now it's into the business. You'd spoken there about kind of like the failures and stuff like that and you used a Tim Ferriss quote and you spoke about the biggest failure with kind of like the business and the app and stuff like that, but that stood to you. How do you actually let failure actually drive you rather than actually taking a step back and actually letting it be a pity party? How do you actually adapt that to yourself? Is that, do you think it's ingrained in you or do you think you've had to take stock and then you go again?
1: I've definitely had to learn that over time. I'm a perfectionist by nature, um, which can often hinder you from progress, right? Because there's that saying of over-analysis causes paralysis. Uh, It doesn't need to be perfect to be released, but as far as the failure aspect. That's something that I've learned over time. And I feel like I learned that through fitness. And all of my lessons, I say this all the time, were self-taught by finding out the hard way, whether that's making mistakes that you'll never make before and sharing your lessons with your community or the rest of the world, however you want to uh, share. But for me, it was more of a, I want in the gym, if I have a plan, right, which was the training program, and I wanted to get a PR on on a PB, whatever country we're in, um, and we want to hit a certain weight. Then we can't just wake up and go hit that weight. We've got to have a plan that's devised with with intention, and that would be often the the, the proof to me. It was like, all right, I have six weeks of training, and the goal is this at the end. More often than not, if I showed up every day and checked all the boxes to get to the goal, I'd hit it. And if I didn't, that wasn't a problem. I didn't just quit. Right? I went back to the beginning, figured out where it went wrong. Tried it again. And if that didn't work either, then I'd do it again. It was just like refusal, refusing to quit will always get you to the goal. But I have had to learn along the way because it used to come from stubbornness. I think this refuse, I would refuse to accept failure and I needed to prove that I could do it. But now I look at it in a very different way. Um, I look at it of, okay, failure happens, but how do we enjoy and embrace the journey to get to quote unquote success or what the goal is? Even if you fall down a million times to get back up and go again, because it shows me that even if I'm failing every day and I'm showing up, at least I'm showing up. I'm still moving. I might not be on this straight line, but I'm moving forward, even no matter how many turns there are. But I've been in the state of mind where I'm only going backwards and making decisions that are self-sabotaging. I've made decisions that are really unhealthy for me. I think we've all done that. And we're all so aware that it's not the right thing to do, but we just can't help it. That's a mindset of being okay with that and becoming complacent with not being your best self. And it became an addiction to me, right. Which is I've been through that in rebellious activities and behaviors. Then I went through substance addiction. I went through all of these things. Now it's like, okay, if I have this personality, let's put this shit into somewhere good. Right. And let's put it into fitness where I'm addicted to this movement and then learning lessons through that too, which is, it's a great place to release things, but it's not somewhere that you need to escape to like, it's, it's a place for me to now recognize and, and allow my feelings to come to the surface and then I have to deal with them rather than uh, ignoring them. So failure to me is, is a beautiful thing. And there's nothing better than reaching the goal uh, after failing many times to get there. When it comes easy, it doesn't seem as exciting to me. And that's something that, uh, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but that's something that gets me going all the time.
0: And you talk. You spoke about there about your injury and kind of like that could have knocked you for six. And I think a lot of people when they get injured, they get sick. They're kind of like, I want to fuck this. I've, I there's no point in even doing anything. There's no point in looking after my nutrition. There's no point in looking after my stress and my sleep or whatever it may be. The are basic things that a lot of people forget anyway. But how did you kind of catch yourself and in, in late, did you kind of go into that dip when you got injured? And then how did you pull yourself out? Was it the people around you that kind of pulled you out, or did you need that time to almost a grieving process, if you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, for sure. So the injury that I've spoken about over the years, which was a back injury that happened um, back in 2015, was the reason why I got injured was from bad training and ignorance on my part. Like I didn't apply myself entirely. I just did it. I did fitness for my ego back then. I felt I, I did what I did and I showed up and did what I did to my body because I wanted people to see that I was good no matter what that took right so I was sacrificing a lot about myself and my health to to win and so whenever the injury happened I just like everyone else wants to blame everyone for everyone else around them apart from themselves but it was a very big turning point for me in my life because the injury came around with the same time of like A lot of personal growth that was happening. I had a really shitty situation happen with why I opened up my business at 23 was not really uh, motivated for the right reasons. It was almost like revengeful. There was still a lot of anger in in me. I had been burned by an old gym owner that I was able to build my, essentially build my business in, which no matter how it went, I'm forever grateful for. Um, But uh, there was words that were said to me that was like, don't ever forget who made you. And like these statements was honestly kind of, even though that was obviously thrown at me to hurt me, it made me look at things very differently because any success I had had at that point wasn't because I went to books and studied myself. I went to a coach to have them tell me the answers. I went to a, a chiropractor to try and tell me what was wrong with my back from the outside in without even having any imaging or MRI, just telling me by looking at me, not feeling things. So this was like a really big changing and pivotal point for me, which is like, if you don't put the effort in to to become a practitioner and learn about why did I just get injured? What was I doing in training that could have caused this to happen? It was more of a, okay, rather than let me sit here, which I did feel really sorry for myself. And I ripped it out and said, you know, I want to be this CrossFit athlete, which was back in 2015. And I want to, my life was committed to CrossFit without the wins. So it was consuming me, but this was parallel with the same time that we opened up PumpFit. And I remember the day before we pump, p- opened up PumpFit, which was our gym, I threw my back out to the point that I was like on my back, couldn't even like brush my teeth or do anything. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? I'm 23. I can barely touch my toes. Like, this is there's something wrong here. This can't be normal, right? Like this idea of pushing through pain and showing up in any way and anyway way, just lifting heavy every day and beating your body. And that's when I became obsessed with learning about why is this happening to my spine? What is it doing? What am I doing in my movement to cause this to happen? So then I went down that um, kind of path and that helped me get through it. Um, although I had accepted and sat down when my husband said, you know, I'm done with trying to be this athlete. I'm going to apply this energy. Like I have said before, that we've only got so much capacity to, to, to like apply ourselves to certain spaces throughout life or throughout our day and throughout the time that we have. So rather than applying myself entirely to this dream that may not be a reality because I'm broken. Let me shut that shit down and now apply that somewhere else. Because if I put an ounce of what I put into trying to become the best athlete into business, even though I suck at it, I know that I will get somewhere because I was just obsessed to, to, to trying to do what I, everything I could. So I used the the, the grieving process, I think, as a, as an opportunity to learn. And I went back and I started to, to, To learn different modalities and fitness that helped me strengthen parts of my body I didn't know about. I understood where the weaknesses were that I had missed so much to do with training that I wasn't doing before because I just wanted to go in and lift heavy and feel good that I just PR'd every day. You know, I wasn't doing the accessory work, I wasn't doing the boring shit that prevents injury. So then we became sticklers on form, getting educated, trying body weight stuff, putting down the barbell, picking up kettlebells, and just learning as much as I could. And that's kind of how I got over it. And I was able to find what I could find through fitness and, it, and through competing in this other space, which was not only a selfish space because this was as an athlete, you know, but to a place where I can share everything I have with our community, in the gym, with our team, with my audience on Instagram. It's like now I'm becoming obsessed, not just for myself to feel good, but really to serve others, you know, and apply it to, and, and share that with the rest of the world.
0: And in relation to the business side of things, you said it's like, it's not necessarily your forte, shall we say?
1: Absolutely not. (laughs)
0: Have you, have you used kind of people as an education tool or have you kind of winged a lot of it? Or what would you say, what advice, if you were to look back at when you first started to what you're on now, what, what, what advice would you give to someone who's starting out themselves now?
1: Oh man, that's a great question. So I think that Starting a business of any kind comes with a lot of uncertainty, but doing it when you don't know who you are is something that is the craziest journey. Because when I first started this, I had zero life experience or work experience. I went from graduating college and bartending in nightclubs to getting an apprenticeship and this dream job of being a photo editor where I didn't work with people or a company or someone else that owned their own personal business to a full-blown gym owner. So I didn't get the experience. So I think that my confidence with the ability to make this happen and work was so low. I had no other, no one really to turn to. Uh, Let me rephrase that. I chose not to ask for help. I chose to try and show myself and I don't know who else, the rest of the world, that I can do this on my own mentality, which is something that I've been working through. You know, through adult life now, looking back and wondering why? Why do you got it? Why do you have to work so hard all the fucking time? Like, what are you trying to prove? You know, you've you've done enough. Like, it's good you can slow down and enjoy now. But um, I did it all myself, so I figured everything out. But I did know when I was doing that that I wanted to quote unquote we use the term of like building my own island. I wanted to create something that was sustainable. And when I say that, I mean. I didn't want to just have programs on other people's apps. I wanted my own app. I didn't want to have a a collection of clothes with a clothing line. I wanted my own clothing line. I I I wanted to not just be at some point I wanted to own my own supplement line rather than be like a sponsored athlete. Like my mentality was very different. So with that came figuring out a lot of shit. You want to, you want to have your own app then you need to know more about technology, not just the content that goes on the front end of it. So I learned as much as I could and became obsessed, which then led me to the point of being overwhelmed, running so fast and moving so fast and half the time with zero purpose, just trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. So if I look back and if I gave myself advice in the beginning, it would be, slow the fuck down, know what you want from a high level and stay a visionary and find the right people to put into play to make all that shit happen. But at the time when you have no money, no investors, it's just you trying to make it work. It's like, oh, I'll save a dime here. I'll save a dime here. I'm going to learn how to edit videos myself. I'm going to learn how to build my website myself. I'm going to learn how to do billing myself. I'm going to do all these things myself, source the clothes and wherever and find all these fabrics. And it becomes extremely overwhelming. So my advice to someone that would be starting out now would be, have a high level plan and and understand that it takes a lot of work to get to that point, but have like a blueprint of what your vision is. And then really look at what's feasible for one person to do at a time. And if you can't do it on your own, get people to jump on board with you. Even if it means giving some skin in the game away to people that are better than you and seek for mentorship, which is something that I'm in that space now, which is sucks that it's such a busy lifestyle. And I have so many lessons to learn, but I don't think we need to learn the hard way, which is the old mentality. You know, that old paradigm of grinding until you figure it out, be the first to show up, be the last to leave. I think that comes with a lot of ego. And nowadays people are so willing to share. I'm willing to share anything I've learned along the way. So if anyone asks me, I don't look at it like they're weaker because they don't know. I look at it as like, that's fucking awesome that they've got the courage to ask someone that's been there, done that before. So they don't need to learn from the same mistakes that someone else has. So seek for help. Don't be afraid to ask for it and check your ego a little bit.
0: I think the first thing that you said when I asked that question was being kind of aware of what you are and who you are. And I think that's an amazing thing to ask because it's like, well, do you want to do the online stuff? Or do you want to be the face-to-face PT? Do you want to be self-employed? Or do you want to work a nine to five? There's no right or wrong answer, but it's figuring out what you actually want. I also don't think you figure it out ASAP. It's kind of like that paralysis by analysis element of it too. I think you figure it out as you kind of go along. Because I know I've definitely changed in the four and a half years since I started. It's like, well, we'll wing this for a little bit. We'll figure it out. And then we'll go and get guidance, as you said. But I think an awful lot of people, I know, I don't know what it's like over that side of the world, but over this side of the world, that kind of mentor thing for kind of PTs and stuff can be, come with a little bit of, a lot of injection of money into something that you don't know what you're getting. And then you're thrown in with 50, 60 other people and you may not get that hands-on requirement that you're looking for. So how do you kind of like, if you were to look out for someone or looking out for a mentor or a coach or whatever it be, what do you, what qualities would you look out for?
1: I would look for just being a good person. That would be the first thing. Um, and I'd also look for someone that isn't in, one dimension someone that like i've learned over the years that everyone has a way of doing things and there's no right or wrong way right and this could come down to the specifics of a certain modality so you i'll use kettlebells for an example you go to certain uh certifications it's like this is how you do a kettlebell snatch any other way is wrong you go to someone else and they say the absolute opposite this person has uh Biomechanics studies of bioengineering studies of the body of how it actually backs up this point. Someone else can have enough studies to back that that point down, and it's like no one's wrong or right as long as no one's getting hurt. I think there's so many things that we can learn, and as an individual, we have to learn as many options and modalities and ways of doing things as we can, and then with each individual that stands in front of us, we apply what is necessary for them, not what a necessarily a certification may say that they may want you to do something that you're your anatomy doesn't agree with, which is going to lead to injury. So I think if you're finding someone that's a mentor, it's to be look on the lookout for someone that doesn't just stay in one space, unless you're a specific. But if, when it comes to personal training, the general population aren't the 1%. The general population are, you know, extremely different. We have very different lifestyles. Everyone's life is different. Everyone's body is different. Everyone's stress levels are different. What they do on an everyday basis is different. So to find one size fits all and apply it apply it to each individual it doesn't work like that so we need to know enough to recognize what is the best uh way to do things for every single individual that stands in front of us
0: that's an amazing segue and you said about kind of like everyone's body is different and one of the things that kind of came in from doing a little bit of research before the before the episode was you, you spoke about body dysmorphia can you talk about what actually is body dysmorphia and how it impacted you and kind of your journey through it? Because I, I, I think an awful lot of people don't realize how many people are actually impacted by it. And I think it's, I've had it myself and it's not a fun time.
1: No, not at all. I think the actual definition of body dysmorphia is when you, one becomes obsessed with fixating on aspects of their body. Like if you constantly catch yourself looking at your body and judging yourself from a feature on your body, whether it be perfect or imperfect, it's you're obsessing over aesthetics right? Which is really not what we should be focused on. There's so much more to life than how we look. And I think that more often than not, the way that we feel we look is all related to the stories that we're telling ourselves, the thought process, the mindset. And I use an example, I think whenever you uh, must have found that post, and I wanted to make sure that this is what's spoken out of that, which is, I remember looking back on photographs, and in that moment, remembering the, because fo- a lot of the times it would be like an event, right? So a photo shoot, for example. And I remember being at the photo shoot in reality and and being like, oh my God, I'm not ready. I feel really shitty. Like my my legs are too small or I've got too much uh, body fat than I usually do. I'm not as lean as I should be. I like really like obsessing over it and thinking that the photos look like shit when they first came out. And I don't even want to look at them. Two years goes by. I look back at the same photos that came out. The entire camera roll. So all the ones that are like, oh, the faces over here. Not the ones that are finished. And I usually have a, a deal, which is don't edit my pictures. Leave cellulite. Don't make my waist slimmer. Leave it, right? So I see these raw images. I'm like, holy shit. I look fucking awesome. I am so lean. I'm absolutely jacked. My physique is insane. But that's not what I was telling myself at the time. So the way I looked at myself in the mirror is what I saw by what I was telling myself at that time. And uh, there's that movie Shallow How, right? It's the same idea. That's body dysmorphia. What we see in the mirror is not necessarily the truth, right? It's just what we're telling ourselves about what we see in the mirror. So no matter who you are, doing cardio and trying to get an eight pack doesn't mean you get to this place where you stop criticizing yourself on a high level if you're not in a good mindset. So it doesn't matter where you are. There's not, and we were speaking with our community that also brought this up and they said, you know, it gives me such a comforting feeling to know that I'm not the only one that judges myself too hard or that it's obsessed with looking in the mirror every time I walk past and is like always sucking in or always trying to put their arm in a certain angle for a photo and finding the best space to be. And it's like, but what I'm saying doesn't mean that it's okay for us to do that. What I'm saying is that we need to feed our brains with more body positivity affirmations or take your fucking clothes off and stop being ashamed of what you think that you look like. Stand in front of the mirror and tell yourself how sexy you are. You know, like redefine the narrative that is going on in your head because if you're constantly saying, I'm fat, I'm this, my legs are that, my, my this is that, then what do you think you're going to see? You know, and it's like, uh, what part of our brain do we want to feed? And I say all this because I'm still going through it that I recognize that as soon as I start to slip and I become obsessed over what I aesthetics, then I know that I'm not being nice to myself and I need to offer more self-compassion. And a lot of the times it could be attached to something else that's going on in my life that is causing uh, a bit of a negative uh, mindset to slip in. Well, that just, it trickles over to every other aspect of our thought process. So to stay clean up here and if it's not coming naturally, then feed it with shit that even if you don't want to, it will work whether it's podcasts or I have an app that pops up on my phone and I have like every 90 minutes a new reminder of something and you could check positive thinking. You can check body positive or body self-love and it comes up with these affirmations that I didn't write. Someone else did. But when I'm in a low space, I need to, if my tank is low, I have to fill it up, right? With If it's not personal words of affirmation, then someone else can fucking write it and I'll read it because it's going to hit the same way.
0: You seem very self-aware.
1: Which is from a lot of... I am, have become the most introspective person over the years because I think it's just fascinating once you once you experience something and you can feel it, then I think self-awareness is the first thing that I would wish upon every single person in this, on this planet. The good and the bad, you know? Because once we've become self-aware, then maybe we start to see how bad things are that we're doing and we take action to change that, which was really my state of mind you know because I I feel like I've done a lot of shitty things in my life and I am aware enough to know that that's not the right thing to do um, and not the right way to be or who I want to be and ultimately we can change whoever we are currently to be whoever we want to be if we're willing to be aware enough and put the work in.
0: How do you dissect through the stories when like you're very aware of when you notice when your energy drops or your state drops? How do you kind of dissect through the stories then is it through journaling is it through just kind of like taking a little bit of time to actually kind of like let it come in and let it kind of like subside and let the emotion go through or is it kind of like that's what it is I'm going to do this
1: yeah I think that because our days are full and our lifestyles are pretty quick and uh yeah I would say sometimes you could use the word overwhelming but you only get overwhelmed if you're not really aligned in certain ways and when I feel overwhelmed I know it's because something's slacking so when I feel I think whenever you're able to get to a space of I don't want to say happiness because I think happiness is always up and down it doesn't stay permanent right but if you've ever been able to get to that space when you've once been here and you've been able to feel here and it comes so easy meaning it's effortless to be up and stay positive, and these things are coming naturally to you. And you want to wake up early in the morning, see the sunrise, and you see all the beauty in the world, right? And you, your lenses in which you look at the world changes, and they become these bright colors. Once you're able to feel that for an extended period of time, I think it comes with a recipe. You don't just get there. And I have over the years been journaling for a long time. I've implemented uh, personal morning routines that have been life changing, and I think that. Whenever I recognize that I stop doing these things, even though I don't always want to wake up that early, but I actually say snooze, 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 or I don't want to journal today, or I don't want to sit still in in a silent room and listen to my thoughts, or I don't want to do a workout, or if I don't want to, I don't know, if I'm not where I want to be, it's typically because something is off. So what do I do? I know what works. So I go back to the beginning of the day and I start to try, try and take control of what I can right? Which is the day. Like if we can implement these things, Aubrey Marcus wrote a book that's called Own the Day. It's hard for us to feel like we own anything nowadays. Everything gets taken from us or we're too late and we miss all these opportunities. He has all these tips and techniques of trying to implement these uh, habits to try and help you feel better about your day. Um, owning the day with starting by drinking 16 ounces of water with a little bit of lemon juice and Himalayan salt like all of these little things that we can do that are in our control when our mind is low or our energy is low we have the option to do those so we need to take control of what we can and let go of what we can't and start to do these practices to help us get up because staying low is really easy to stay there it's the easiest option um and it sucks because it's the it's the last thing you want to do especially when you know that it works and, and it's it's like i don't want to hear anything positive right now i just want to stay here in this dark space and sometimes you probably should do that too and then get your ass back up and, and start pushing through but yeah i just know that the practices work
0: i think as you said it's probably a fine line between kind of actually sitting there and kind of Dealing with it or else just going more and more and more and more. There's a fine line between that too because you know into full hustle mode really easily, but that's just escaping. That's a form of escapism. Um, you mentioned there about the morning routine, and I know you've you mentioned Tim Ferriss there as well. And I know went from reading Tales of Titans. The biggest thing, like if anyone hasn't read two of those items, the interviews, it's kind of like a synopsis of the biggest interviews he's had on the podcast. They were like the likes of Jamie uh, Fox and stuff around them, and like some of the names are ridiculous. And the biggest thing that I've noticed from that was they all have morning routine. Can you talk about your morning routine and how impactful it is for you on the day?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So like I was saying, life is fast and this is my version of a fast life, right? Is through business. And the fact that I, I like to move fast too. But with that, a lot of the time... And this could be a parent that their kids take their day or someone else takes your day. Your job takes your day. So whenever I feel like I'm giving so much of myself, I feel a bit sorry for myself. And I'm like, I don't have any time for me. I'm tired. Everyone has time in their day if they want it for themselves. And a morning routine for me is essential because I start the day feeling accomplished. I start the day with a little bit of selfishness, meaning I'm not going to open up the shit that I probably should be Aware of first thing in the day. No, no, no. no. That can wait. And this is time for me to take care of me. So I'll try and typically wake up before the sun rises, around between five and six o'clock in the morning. I like to grab a book or or a journal, depending where I'm at, um, and read a couple pages. Like this this morning, I'll go through my routine. I woke up at five forty-five. I went to the kitchen. I made myself a double espresso. I poured myself a glass of water. I read a few books from a book that has got nothing to do with fitness. It's called Black Box Thinking, which is a really interesting book about mindset and how we look at failing and how we look at making mistakes. Um, and I fed my brain with something that isn't really related to what I have to do today. And then I actually didn't journal this morning, but I have p- positive affirmations that I was reading through. And then I went to the gym. I still haven't opened my email because the first thing I did was sit here with you. Uh, I went to the gym, I had my workout, I came here, and now I'm, I'm here. But I have to wake up before the sun rises, it makes me feel so good. I love to watch the sunrise, and right now we're in this transition phase, but we have a house that's in the middle of nowhere in Texas, and there's nothing, there's no sounds of cars, there's no sounds of anything, there's really shitty cell phone service, it's just nature, the sounds of the birds. And I think being able to start your day with a slow process of not feeling rushed, I used to wake up. When we had the gym, I look back at our first 5 a.m. classes. I would go to bed the night before in the clothes that I would wear the day before because I'd have to be up at 3.30. Like, talk about rush. Like, I'm not even taking the time to get changed. I'm putting my shoes on and I'm leaving out the door. I'm starting like this. And it's already like this, right, in life. So if I can start here and choose to, like, get to where I want to be before my day starts and I feel like I'm in a better mindset, I feel accomplished already. I've made my bed, which is a non-negotiable. I've drank my water. I've done my workout. So now I can't say I didn't have time to work out, even though my job is very physical. A lot of the times I won't have time to have my own workout, right? There's a big difference between working out on camera and having my eyes shut in a workout and doing it for me and not having to speak and perform to, to, for others. So me time is really important for me and the feeling of not being rushed and being kind of lazy in the morning, Listening to weird music, lighting some candles, breathing, doing a 20 minute stretch if I want to, and walking to my car, not running to my car because I feel like I'm late and behind, you know? And then you feel like you failed before you've even began.
0: I think what, uh, yeah, I think what you said, like I can relate to what you're saying about those early starts when I was doing face to face PT. I don't miss them.
1: (laughs) I don't either. I don't either.
0: You literally go from everything, the advice that you give, you go against it completely when you're face to face PT kind of like no I'm, I'm literally living off caffeine um which is exactly. not great either you spoke about it a little while ago about kind of the body this more in the negative voice that kind of that inner critic you had an interesting event happen in a bar and got a negative comment and I was reading this I was like I was reading the post I was like holy shit is this still happening in this day and age can you kind of elaborate on it to tell the story
1: yeah so uh we were out um and it was also the end of the night. I should have known better. to so just go home. And I had had a couple of margaritas. So I, I said that in the post and I'll be honest about it now because I'm not happy with how I reacted, but I was so hurt, you know? And uh, there was this random guy that was trying to chat up my friend and we were leaving and he's like, so I have a question for you. Did your parents raise you as a, a male or a female? And cause you're a dude, right? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And I went off on one. I was like, excuse me. I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. I was so offended. But now I look back at it. I'm like, you should have reacted like that. Cause he is obviously very insecure. Right. And this is where the work that you do, if you have the time, which is usually with a clear mind, not with a couple of margaritas down your neck, but you will be able to see this situation for what it is. Not don't act, don't react based off emotion, react based off of processing and analysis, right? Like now I look at it, I'm like, what a loser, man. Like, you had to say that to me. Of course you know I'm a fucking woman. Like, I, I don't know, what to, am I stronger than you? Is that intimidating for you? Are you? Did you think that made you look cool in front of the girl that you want to chat up that's my friend because she actually looks at you like you're an idiot now? Like, I'm not really sure where any positive thing would have come out of that, that comment. But what I hate about this situation is that I allowed myself to go down to his level and I allowed him to make me a smaller person which is wrong and that's what the regret from the situation is to just like offer empathy for someone that says something that will absolutely hurt someone like why as nowadays right you just said that like it used to be cool to make fun of people it used to be cool for stand up comedians to roast someone's ass that is now like that's a low blow man why do you, why do we have to do that so when i say ego it's like I think ego is a great thing. And this is a current phase that I'm going through. I think we all need to, I thought that I needed to kill my ego, but I don't think that's the case at all. I think we need to hear our ego, let it guide us, but then we don't react based on that ego response to whatever is happening in our life, you know? So that was a crazy situation, but yeah, don't make yourself smaller for someone that is small, you know?
0: Yeah, bringing it back to self awareness thing about the ego because I I think when people hear ego, they think negative, they think as oh, like he like he or she or they is an egotistical brick or whatever it may be. But I think like if you know where it's coming from and um, it, whether it's the voice of the inner critic or it's subconscious or conscious, if anyone wants to know what we're talking about right now, it's if you want to listen to go to Eckhart Tolle, and he'll describe it for you in more details. But how do you kind of when that voice ramps up now what how do you catch it do you just kind of go right let's compartmentalize that or do you kind of go let's actually head on deal with this obviously depends what the event is
1: yeah and this is a very new this is actually a really deep conversation that my husband and I had this weekend which is I think that just to give a little synopsis on it all like we all have these three voices in our head right and there's different communities or or points of view that call them different things but we'll just call them three voices for the sake of this conversation you've got like your true self you've got your uh like Jay Shetty refers to your monk mind and your monkey mind right you've got like this voice of reason and then you've got this voice of like this childish mind or your ego of some sort it's like when you take offense to everything that's happening or you think that the world's against you rather than Not really, but you're just taking everything the wrong way, right? Like there's these three voices in our head and it's hard to understand which one to to operate from, right? Like, okay, do I listen to this calm self and ignore the fact that my ego felt something? No, I think that we have to have awareness to not react immediately. And that's something that I've learned over the years is I never used to process here. I would process right here and everything is out. Once it's out, it's out. And uh, I just watched David Letterman and Will Smith and he said something that was really interesting. He's like, you know, you know, when you're operating on ego, when you reflect back on the situation and you recognize and you figure out that actually it wasn't that at all. Meaning if you have an interaction with someone, okay, like that guy, let's use that guy because we're talking about it. He said that to me, my ego responded. And I probably said, how fucking dare you say that to me? And like really came out with this angry thing, right? It came out as anger. And now I look back on it that wasn't an anger response. That was pain. That was was hurtful to me. I was embarrassed. I was humiliated. Like all of these feelings are the real feelings of what happened. But my ego shot off and went off on one and it, it came out as anger, right? But that's not really what it was. It was pain. So this is where it's like, okay, if I can look back on that and see that, then that was me operating off of ego. So usually if I'm not drinking, of course, then you're able to see a situation and look at it and, and have a conversation with those three people in your head and let them have a roundtable discussion and figure out at the end, what is this? Like with, a, with meetings or a team member or whatever it may be, I try now not to react. And I'll be like, let me sit on that for a second and I'll get back to you. Because if it's, it's something that comes up right away, that's me knowing this is my initial response, which is usually attached to emotion, which is usually my ego. So let me take a minute really understand what this is and then respond in a way that A, will not hurt someone, right? Because what the hell does that do? You just have, they shut down. But B, like, be the real voice of what I'm trying to say. And don't, and every word that comes out of our mouth is out. So we should try and take the the time to process before we speak, which I think comes along with age as well. You know?
0: Um, You swear you're ancient. You're younger than me. You swear you're very old. You're younger than me.
1: How old, how old are you?
0: 34.
1: Yeah, I'm still a baby, but I remember, man, like in the last few years, I've been really able. I don't know if it is age or the work that I've been doing, but like to just take a second.
0: I do think, like, I, when you hit around 29, 30, I do think there's a little bit of a, a little bit more self awareness. And I would, I, I had my major health care at 29. So that makes you kind of like, take stock but i also don't want anyone else to have to go through the shit in order to see that perspective but sometimes it's it's a hard one to kind of like some people be like you shouldn't have to go through the shit in order to see the good
1: actually with you saying that and i'm not sure exactly on the details of that but when you say like how do you look at life this way how uh why does my brain kind of work the way that it does i guess now and being so introspective is i also unfortunately saw a lot of shit yeah I've seen a lot of shit too much shit I think um why I don't know why that happened to you I'm not sure I don't think fine trying to find the answer is the right thing to do right but to help be able to take a lesson from that and apply it to the rest of your life is massive and uh my I, my lesson was uh watching one of my best friends die you know and she was 32 at the time so it's like age is not on our side why wait right and from this shitty situation, something good can come. Like that was my coping mechanism, right? It's like whenever she was diagnosed with cancer, I'm like, oh, I got to go run and ride around the entire country of Iceland. Like I just got to do to try and escape the pain of dealing full disclosure. And I was even talked about at the time of like, this is my, because it was a ro- one road that I went the whole country. I was like, this is my time to pour my pain into the road. Because at that time, my life was very public. And I was like, how do I deal with this situation? Because all I want to do is go get a bottle of wine somewhere and cry alone. And that is not going to do me any good. That is not going to do her any good. It's not going to change a situation. I have to take control of what I can control. I can't change the diagnosis. I can't change the outcome. But what I can do is try and do something about it that is going to turn into something good for me and others rather than uh, self-sabotaging and just letting this rock you to the point that it ruins your life as well. And a lot of death, you know, all around the same time. So I think that led to the curiosity of what is life? Why do we have to wait? Like we have to do it now kind of mentality that also led down to discovering like ancient Stoic philosophy. And I'm massively into that. And that's something that is all about. The Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. The Obstacle is the Way, like all of these books have so many incredible lessons, And that we could apply to any individual if they're willing to open up their brain and be aware enough to understand that our future and our lives are in our control, which is a really fucking scary thing to admit because that means the good and the bad. And ultimately, through these tips, practices, and whatever else these books and these ancient Stoics have been doing, it works. And you can choose to take whatever you want from them and the points of view. But I I think that this... We've all got to live, man. And it's life is hard. And to be able to cruise through without, and without any guidance, I think is merely impossible. And if anyone's figured that out, then holler at your girl.
0: (laughs) Uh, That was my next question to think we ever figure it out.
1: Mm -mm. It's a
0: big question. I don't think we ever figure it out. I think it's always like, I think you have stages Yep. Uh, it's kind of like the, the seven stages of kind of like when someone dies in grief and stuff like that, it's the seven stages or whatever maybe you don't think you ever really figure out what's going on. Think something along the way, you have a lesson to be learned. And if you don't learn a lesson, well then it's kind of like I would take that as a failure that you haven't had the awareness or the respect, their kind of self-respect or the yeah, the to kind of take stock and say, right, what could I have learned from this? What could I change the next time? And if it doesn't happen the next time, that's okay. But at least you're trying, like you, you're you talking about Derek kind of the incident in the bar, you're aware what it was and why it happened. But if you had a few more drinks in you and the same thing happened again, it may happen again, but at least you know internally why it's been happening and then you're trying to address that. So yeah, it's trying to, like, we're all winging it. I think that's the big sentence.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And every time I act on ego, this is my new discovery this last weekend, which was like, you need to kill your ego. Like, stop letting your ego come through. And that I heard someone say it on a podcast. It's like, no, 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 no. like ego has been now such uh, a negative term. I don't think that's the case at all. There's a reason why your ego is feeling those things and you should let them feel it, but you shouldn't externally communicate that until you've understood what it is. So let your ego guide you, but don't let your ego make decisions for you
0: that's huge and if anyone wants to read about stuff philosophy like ryan holiday and kind of like that side of things definitely go into it jay shetty's think like a monk is an incredible book as well Uh, hannah i cannot thank you enough i haven't even stuck to any of the questions i've sent you over that tends to happen but where can people find out about you where can people find out about podcast and the clothing range and the website
1: absolutely well thank you so much for a really interesting interview different than others which i appreciate um, everything is on hannahedenfitness.com. That's H-A-N-N-A-H-E-D-E-N fitness.com. My Instagram is HannahEden_Fitness, underscore fitness. And then all of my apparel lines are in my bio, which is FYR, standing for fire and find your reason apparel. Um, and our, our podcast that we talk a lot about stoicism, mindset, self-awareness is a whole episode on that, um, is Get Peeled, which is also on our website or on our app, the Hef Training app.
0: Amazing. So what I'll do guys, is I'll put in that episode into the show notes. I'll put all the links in for Hannah's website and for her Instagram into everything. So you guys can click onto that. But Hannah, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.